What's that? Yodeling? Yo, oh, oh. Yodeling. To the podcast. Yodel on, everybody. Dude, you're listening to the. What are you drinking? Oh, it's Gatorade. It's Gatorade. It's it really good with that ice and that ice. Dude. It is summertime in Boulder. You're listening to the Word on the Hill. We are the Lanky Guys. I am Father Peter Buzzard. I am Scott Powell. And we are so stoked that you have joined us on your pod for our cast. Normally, you only get casts when uh, you break yourself, but in this time, you uh, are getting a cast without having broken yourself. We cast things a little wider. Oh, you see what I did there? Dragnet. I saw that. It's like it's like a cast, cast. Right. What? What? Dude, I have to say, um, we got some really positive feedback from last week's um, totally schizophrenic podcast. Somewhat intimidating. Yeah, yeah. Like Scott and I, we were sitting here right here, kind of feeling some nerves because. Um, the number one biggest fan of the podcast called me up and said, dude, that was the best podcast you've ever done. A number of people actually told us that that was their, in their opinion, the best one we've done. Oh, dude, you know what we need to do? Nope. We need to tweet again that we're tweet. doing our, and, and Facebook our podcast, right? Facebook it. I'm, pu- I'm putting it up right now. Yeah, wh- What wh- should I say? I should say something witty. Um, oh, what's witty? That's really difficult for you to say. Seriously? I is know. This, is this what we're doing? Is it? This is how we roll. Oh my gosh! Our Facebook page still has snow on the mountains. Oh, dude, we gotta update that. Yeah, dude. Man, that's like some weak Snowy sauce Twitter irons. page, dude. It's a Facebook. Oh yeah. Um, Whatever. It's all social media to me. Can't think of anything witty <laughs> to say. <laughs> You're but. Recording now. We're recording. Anyway. Send in your love. Right now. Dude. <coughs> Send your love. Yeah. Okay. Exclamation I, point and post. Post to depost. This post to depost, post, 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 post to depost, post, post, post. Dude, I have, I was thinking about the uh, the uh, um, Stevie Wonder song. Oh, send in your love. I believe when I fall in love with you, we will be forever. <laughs> <laughs> so right now, you guys, for those of you who don't know, Scott Powell, as he is going to be podcasting with us over the summer. Some of the time, he's going to be um, actually here present with me, and mm. some of the time, he's going to be at Camp Waitiwa. Waitiwa. And um, so it's awesome when we have him down, and and uh, the secret is out that tomorrow is his wedding anniversary. Wedding anniversary. anniversary. Not probably when you'll be listening to this, but as of the recording. As of the recording. The tomorrow, tomorrow, according to the scheme of the recording, is. I mean, really, let's be honest. Tomorrow is an anniversary for everything. Tomorrow is an. Why? It's, it's why just not a significant anniversary. What? Well, I guess it, yeah, because I mean, like last year at this time, like I was doing something. What were you doing? I have no idea, but it was an anniversary of whatever <laughs> anniversary, I was doing last year. It's an anniversary of that. Isn't an anniversary something that would be perpetually done on that same date? Well, I mean, it's yeah. Not the anni- no, so next June 3rd is not going to be the anniversary of you drinking that Gatorade. Well, it is. I guess it is. I mean, right, this is going nowhere. We should, <laughs> this, this is getting weird. <laughs> All right, everybody. You turned in to listen to the best podcast on the air, You didn't you? You did, and and- and so here is the air for your ears. Here it is. So we are in, we've finally reached Pentecost. 
Pentecost. <laughs> and I, I just wish people good. would like holler it out. Holla. They'd be like, oh, just, you mean like on Pentecost, declare. like just like Pentecost. And you're like just there and everybody's just like looks at him for a second and keeps moving. Well, it's like Samuel, my son, has those vestments. You've seen Samuel's vestments. Love his vestments. He, he just walks around camp with them too. And he always has the big book and he just walks around going, mass, mass. <laughs> just, so he's proclaiming it. So you should do that. You priests of Pentecost. Dude, I'm going to do it. I'm in, man. Okay, Pentecost. So we are at Pentecost, which finishes the Easter season, correct? Yeah, or starts ordinary time. I don't know what it does. It's it's neither, though. It doesn't fit into either one, correct? No. It's its it, own reality. It's it, not actually an Easter. It's not ordinary time. It is its own individual distinguished feast. Exactly. It is a... It is a boundary walker. A it boundary is, walker. It, it, it's 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 like, uh, but it doesn't have its own time. No. But it but for that day, we're rocking, man. We are. So for this particular day, this Pentecost, we're acting out. Acts. We're in Acts of the Apostles, chapter two, verses one through eleven, which we were lamenting before. I think we talked about this passage a couple of weeks ago for some reason. So we wasted all of our good material a couple weeks ago. But yeah, we're going to so recycle it today. No, and it's we didn't be waste awesome. nothing, man. I don't remember what we said, but I know we talked about Pentecost. So Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 11, which what? is the actual Pentecost account. What, I have to say that podcasting is really a nice thing for the brain. Uh. Because I never remember anything I say normally. Mm. And so then I like I listened to last week's podcast and I was like, is that, is that really how I sound? Oh, no, it's not. Oh, yeah. And I was like, I was, I was like asking you questions and they were not very good questions. I was you like, weren't? I didn't listen to it. Yeah, that's okay. You, you've just, yeah, it was better that way. So after that, we're going to be into Psalm 104. Psalm 104. Which um, there are about 151 Psalms or 50, depending on how you count them. Right, and so the, the Hebrew or the Greek rendering. Yep, and uh, so we, we uh, render unto Caesar what belongs to Caesar, and what belongs to the Lord. The Very Lord. good. Uh, that's going to be verses uh, twenty-four, twenty-nine to thirty. You 31, forgot verse 34. one. Oh yeah, verse one. Verse one. Verse one. So yeah, 24, 30, 29, 30, 31, 34. Good. Uh, the second reading comes from First Corinthians, chapter twelve, verse three b. That's very important B there because Beep. you should read what part A says. Ooh. You should do it when you get a chance in a second here. Uh, 3 to B to 7 and then verses 12 through 13. Then uh, then we have the sequence, Veni Sancti Spiritus, yeah. which is a lot of rhyming. And yeah. I, ho- I hope somebody sings it for you because when you read it, it sounds like rhyming poetry. Which it kind of is. I mean, it is That's rhyming poetry. Isn't that what really all songs are? Yeah, I mean, but it, it always feels cheaper when you read something rhyming. Yeah, totally, it, it's it sounds like like bad high school poetry or something. What if you like? What if it's like a slam beat thing? What is that? What are those called? Yeah, slam beat. Yeah, slam, dude. Yeah, slam, slam poetry beat, slam. Slam slam poetry slam. That's that's it. Yeah. That's it. Dude, I want to have a poetry slam competition with you on the podcast because Mission. regularly I do not know. If I am understood in my flow. So, yo, here we go on the next reading. Okay. It's the gospel. Of? John. John. Dude, why, why you got to break my rhyme? I'm dude? sorry. I'm, I'm not trying on. to. I'm just trying to move us along. Yeah, well, you did it. Okay. <laughs> according on, according to my hurt feelings, you moved us on. Just okay. fine. Just, just keep moving. That's fine. I don't mind. Whatever. Gospel of John, chapter 20. <laughs> I know. It's it like totally unnecessarily dramatic. No, it's good. Verses 19 through 23. It's important. Yeah. That your feelings are heard. Hey, you know, I was talking to, I was talking, of course, to my bro. 
and he was like yeah. he's like i always like it the fact that you guys kind of don't know always what you're talking about and that you have to edit stuff out i stuff. always know what i'm talking about i don't every minute of every day yeah that's not true whatever dude that's not true at all oh Greeley's flooding Greeley's flooding right now apparently sorry let's move on dude how do you know Greeley's? Fl- are I'm you looking at facebook <laughs> dude this is this is you know, not because i'm seeing how many people are liking the fact that we're recording we're how many four are? people so far have liked it oh, dude that's awesome i am um, i did it eight minutes ago and on my twitter nothing nothing dude nobody cares about my twitter but they care about your facebook do they well the lanky guys facebook of which you are a, a half you are half of the lanky guys Dude, I'm so I'm half lanky. You're half lanky, guy. Dude, let's move on. Okay, so Acts of the Apostles. So here we are. We're at we've reached Pentecost. We've been going, I believe we've been going backwards in Acts of the Apostles. Well, I mean, last week we no, last, last week, week we're, was the Shupsa or whatever one 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 one. The Shupsa. Yeah, yeah, remember I was talking about how the Germans oh. drink when their numbers coordinate. Right, 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 right. Yeah. So the Shupsa last week. So yeah, we we had the ascension, and right after the ascension, so we got a kind of catch up to the narrative here. Yeah. Um the ascension has just happened. After the ascension, um what happened? You have the the apostles gathered in the upper room. Judas has committed suicide. Ugh. And so they realize that okay, 12 was not an arbitrary arbitrary number. When God when Jesus chose 12 disciples, it wasn't just, well, there could be either 11 or 15. It doesn't really matter. I just wanted this group. No, it needed to be 12. Why? To show forth the fact that this is the new Israel. Yeah, so they represented the new 12 tribes. So 12 was was crucial. Yes. And everybody expected there to be 12 12 leaders of this new nation. So when they realize one of their number is gone now, what do the apostles have to do? Replace them. Yeah, they have to replace them. So they go through this whole process of praying and then casting lots and deciding who they're gonna use, who, who they're gonna replace Judas with. And it's uh, I was I was uh, I was preaching the other day and and one of those readings came up and I was like, what kind of lots did they roll? They rolled twelve sided die. Come on, let's be honest oh, about this. And I was man. like, I was because they found in ancient Egypt some like twenty sided die, which means really, had, yeah, yeah, that's cool. They also founded some twelve sided die. Because, that's rather cool. Because come on, I mean like. Let's be honest. If you carry a 20-sided die or a 12-sided die in your pocket, you're my friend. Um, yeah, totally. Totally. And the apostles are your friends because they obviously had a 12-sided die while they're, they were doing this. Rolling, rolling it out, man. It's funny. If you read closely, especially if you read the original languages, what it says about Judas, when Judas commits suicide and they have to replace him, yeah. they say another one must take his office, is how most of our translations translate it. But the word there in Greek is somebody else has to take his episkopos. And actually, the King James Version translated it, someone has to take his bishopric. Whoa. So the scriptures are very clear. Even the King James is clear as a bell yeah. that these roles are bishops. These are literally bishops, the episkopos. Are you going to answer that? No. <laughs> it looked I'm like you were about to. <laughs> Which is fine. Do what you got to do. So they elect Matthias, um, right? He's, he's going to be the one who carries on. Um, by the way, one side note on that, just because I think it's interesting. 99.9% of the time, when you see people casting lots in the Bible, yeah. it has to do with priestly offices. 
So when Zechariah, remember Zechariah is yeah. chosen to offer incense in the temple, he, they cast lots for it. In Chronicles, when the divisions of the priests are chosen, they cast lots for it. Even when Jesus, remember when they're dividing his garments? Uh-huh. What are the soldiers doing? Cast lots. They're casting lots. They're speaking to his priestly identity. It's really fascinating. So when you see um, the apostles casting lots for who's going to be the 12th, yeah. it's a priestly thing. And that would be understood as in scripture. That's when people cast lots Dude, for priestly I, roles. I've been on a lot of silent retreats. Yeah. With priests. Okay. As a priest. Got it. Nobody's ever like, hey, dude, bring your dice. Because bring your dice because we're casting. Because we're getting, we got some lots to be, we got some deal with lots, dude. Yeah, man, you're going on the wrong retreats. <laughs> I mean, I know. Seriously. What's going on here? Next, here? the next priestly convocation. Dude, we have you to get together there. and cast lots. At least play craps for a little while or something. Craps. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so so that 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 brings us to Acts chapter 2 verse 1. It says when the time for Pentecost was fulfilled, this is where we are in the readings. Which is 50 days just just to give you a yeah, sense. Pente- you. Pentecost actually means 50 days. It's the feast of 50 days. So it's the feast that uh celebrates the completion of the harvest. 50 days from what? Uh the pa- uh, Passover. The Passover. So we're fi- so that also tells you where we are in the story. So we're about 50 days after the last supper. So we're 50 days uh, post-Passover. Now, Pentecost was obviously a feast that existed prior to Jesus, prior prior to the apostles. Yep. And it celebrated two things. Number one, you you mentioned it was a harvest feast. That's true. Originally, it was like the Jewish version of Thanksgiving. So it was the harvest time. Thank you, God, for giving us the wheat and the grains and everything else. Shine on harvest moon. I saw that you were waiting to sing that. Up in the sky. I ain't had no loving since January, January, June, or July. Ba, 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 da, ba. What's that? Is that Neil Young? No, I don't know. My dad used to sing it when I was oh, a kid. Oh, good. Doesn't Neil Young have a song about the Harvest Moon? Uh, That's Van Morrison. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, <coughs> so what's so the second reason to the feast? So originally it was it was a Jew, basically a Jewish Thanksgiving, right? The Harvest Feast. They celebrated that. But at some point, there was added onto it another feast. So it was linked with the celebration of the giving of the law to Moses on Mount Sinai. Oh. Because they determined, well, look, what is the greatest harvest we've ever seen? The greatest harvest was when God gave us the law, the Torah. So we ought to celebrate the giving of the law alongside of our harvest celebration because that is that which brings fruit in our lives and which brings forth a harvest in our lives, right? Does that make sense? Yeah, for sure. So those two things they celebrate, the harvest feast, but also the giving of the law to Moses on top of Mount Sinai. That matters. Knowing that backdrop actually matters for what's about to happen here. Yeah, so, the, uh, you're already uh, you're setting it up right. I'm setting it up. So the time for Pentecost was fulfilled, <laughs> and they were all together in one place. Now, who is the all? Well, back in chapter one, it said the all was the twelve apostles, who are now complete because they've elected another one. Yep. Um, Mary is there. The women are there, and the brethren. And you read in Acts of the Apostles. Gosh, there's so much I would love to say about this. If you back up though. In Back chapter one of Acts of the Apostles, when it says they were all gathered together, yeah, and they it was the moment when they chose Matthias to replace Judas, yeah. It says the company of persons was in all about 120 people, so there was about 120. That that's actually a lot of people in the upper room. So yeah, there's no there's kidding. the 12 apostles, there's Mary, there's the brethren, and there's the women. About about 120 people. Um, if the let me see, see if I can hash this out. If the Pentecost celebration was originally a celebration of the harvest. What does a good Jewish person do with his harvest? What's the first thing he does when he sees his harvest coming forth? Offer it. Tithe it. He tithes it. What is a tithe? Uh, 10% to, uh, it, to the first fruits. It gives the first fruits, which is, what would what you say? How much is that? 10%. 10%. So a tithe of the harvest is giving 10% back to God. 
what do we have here? We have about 120 people gathered in the upper room on the harvest feast. What does the church do? She gives back a tithe. What is a tenth of 120? Twelve. Exactly twelve apostles. Oh, dude. You're dude, you studied for this Isn't one today, that cool? man. That's awesome. So they're uh, they're I've literally never offering the church back to God on the harvest celebration. But that's not all, because that's only half of what Pentecost is, right? What's the other half? The giving of the, the law. Giving of the law. So there's more to come, right? Oh. So they're all gathered together. They're all in one place. A twelfth of them are gathered along with the hundred and twenty. And it says, and suddenly there came from the sky a noise like strong driving wind, and it filled the entire house in which they were. And there appeared to them tongues as of fire, which parted and came to rest on each one of them. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak in different tongues as the Spirit enabled them to proclaim. Let's pause there for a second. And the, t- the tongue of the tongue, the gl- glossolalia or however this is, I mean, like it's the same word. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Which is yeah, yeah. profoundly important. Yes. The tongue in the tongue. So what is a tongue of fire? Um, uh, usually, like, if it were to stick out of your mouth, it would be like if you had really, really bad breath. <laughs> a tongue of fire, like nice maybe work. maybe of halitosis. Is that, is that what it is? Excellent work. <laughs> I, I did my homework. <laughs> I want to propose, and I could be wrong, so this is just my personal thought. I, on dude, this, I'm a opinion. celibate. What? I am a celibate. I know that. I want to propose. Oh. Ah. <laughs> All right. But I'm going to propose something. I'm going to propose that there's no such thing as a tongue of fire. <gasps> How could you say that, Scott? I mean, but Scott, come on, dude. How are no, you? Hold th- on, hold on. No, no, let no. Me, I mean, let the, me defend myself. There is like a whole tradition. Let me defend myself. Uh, I haven't even, I haven't even accused you yet. Let me. But this is the thing: is that all of the art from the Western civilization is, is wrong. Like, <clears throat> All of the art from Western civilization, I'm going to propose, is wrong. It's not wrong. It's it's artistic flourish, which is good. It's important to actually do that. Hey, man. Now, let me explain myself. Wow. Because I'm going to propose this. And again, You're I'm giving bold. my opinion on okay, this. Okay, dude. It's a bold opinion. Br- bring on your opinion, man. And I'm going to back Every, it up. Everybody's got I'm gonna one. I'm going to make a case, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to defend myself. So, tongues. What is a tongue? It is a thing that helps you digest food. <laughs> it's the thing in your mouth. Yes. What else is a tongue? It is a uh, a manner in which you can speak. speak. It's, it's like a it's like a it's a euphemism for a language. Right. It's language. In this context, what is a tongue? Um, what did you say? The gl- glossa is the gl- Greek word, right? Glossa. Yeah, what yeah. What does yeah. glossa mean? Glossa means um, language. Uh, yeah, I mean like and divided into tongues. Um, uncertain. Uh, uh, this is defined in Strong's uncertain oh, affinity. Geez. Oh, the tongue. By implication, a language uh, or literally a tongue, a member of the right. body or an organ of speech or a language or d- direct dialect. So a tongue is either an organ of speech or dialect or language, right? Okay. That's what a tongue is. So this says, I want to confuse you for a second here. It says, they look, from the sky there was a noise like a strong driving wind and this this wind filled the house. Entire house. What does the wind look like? You cannot see the wind. You can no, only... according to this, what does it look like? It filled smoke. No. I mean, it says that the. It... What does the tongue? What does the language look like? I don't understand. Okay, sorry, I'm not asking this well. I, I, I don't understand. It says the wind came. It filled the entire house. Then there appeared to them tongues. What are tongues? Tongues are language. What does the language look like? I mean, language doesn't look like anything. So, what does it look like in Acts of the Apostles? Fire. Language looked like fire. I propose to you 
that the Acts of the Apostles is presenting a profound image confusion that actually doesn't make sense. There's language that looks like fire, and this language that looks like fire is actually resting on all their heads. And we have since created artwork and a sort of figure of speech to talk about tongues of fire. And I'm pretty convinced that outside of the Pentecost account, Mm -hmm. there's no reference to a tongue of fire. In any literature, in any artwork, in any other form, you don't talk about fire in terms of tongues. Fire is flames. It's not tongues. Tongues are language. So there's there's vast image confusion here. There's language that looks like fire. Language that looks like fire. I propose to you, if you were reading this for the first time, you'd be like, what the stink is that talking about? That doesn't make any sense. Unless, now here's where I'm going to defend myself. Okay, I'm ready for the defense. So have I pushed you into a corner yet? Uh, Sort of. I mean, have I pushed the text into a corner? A you pushed the text into the corner. Okay. I mean, that's like, all I want. That's yeah, all yeah, I want yeah. Because because I'm looking at this and I'm going like, well, um, you 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 can talk about flame licking at something. Like, yeah, you know perhaps. what I mean. Like the, the 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 flame licked at the building. Perhaps, but I, but I don't know if it actually just comes from this though. From let me this tongue. let me bring so, in something. So else. defend yourself, man. Okay, let me bring something else in. Defend thyself. Raise thy armor shield. What's the second thing that Pentecost celebrated? The giving of the law. The giving of the law to Moses on Mount Sinai. So we have to go back. And I'm going to read to you the words of Philo. So Philo, remember who Philo was? It was a a dog? (laughs) That's Pluto. (laughs) Philo was a first century Jewish historian who basically wrote commentary on the Old Testament, on the history of the people of Israel, what happened, what they experienced. Okay. From passed down oral traditions. He wrote a, a work called On the Decalogue, which was uh, writing about what happened when the Ten Commandments were given to the people. Oh, okay. And I want to read to you what Philo says in On the Decalogue. I forget. It, I don't think it was first century. It was prior to Jesus. But here's what he says it was like. So remember, they're, they're, when Israel was gathered, they left Egypt. They're in the Exodus. They're gathered at the foot of Mount Sinai. Moses goes up on the mountain, and they see lightning and thunder and fire descending from the sky, right? They think Moses is dead. We're freaking out. We don't know what's going on. Let me read this. It says this. So when Philo describes the giving of the law on Mount Sinai, he says this, and this was handed down to him from the Jewish tradition. He says, from the midst of the fire that streamed from heaven. So remember, that's in Exodus. There was a fire that came down from the sky. From the midst of the fire that streamed down from heaven, there sounded forth to all of their utter amazement a voice For the flame actually became articulate speech. And the flame that came down from heaven was articulate speech in a language that was familiar to all the audience. So clearly and distinctly were the words formed by it that they seemed to be seeing the words rather than just hearing them. So when the fire came down from heaven on Mount Sinai and they heard God's words, they said those words from God are so real that we feel like we're seeing them rather than just hearing them. We're seeing them rather than just hearing them. Synesthesis. It's language that looks like something. What does it look like on Mount Sinai? It's language that looks like fire. God's words appear as fire to them. That's just as confusing. But if you know that in the ancient tradition, when God gave his first law, his words were so real, it was like fire that was language. And all of a sudden now when there's an upper room... And there's language that looks like fire, again, resting on all of their heads. And then they begin speaking in tongues that are understandable to all the people that are, speak- that, are, that are listening. You're like, oh my gosh, this is a brand new Mount Sinai happening again. 
That's awesome. Does that make sense? It does. I know I kind of picked my way there. Well, it, it, it's kind of like this. La- last, I think this is a much more confusing scene that we give it credit for because we're so used to, oh, tongues of fire, there's little flames on all their heads. That makes total sense to me. Uh, yeah. It actually doesn't make sense unless you understand how weird this is. Well, and, and that there's 120 people there and not just 12 and Mary, which is normally what we would see. Right. Absolutely. So, so this is the thing is like, I, I, well, <clears throat> it's like this. Last week I was talking about the incarnation. Jesus becoming man is like man becoming plants. Because right. because um, we have man, angels, God. So yeah. so it start it, so the hierarchy is this. God, angels, man, animals, plants, rocks. Right. right. So God becoming man is Podcasts. like man becoming plants to save a bunch of plants. Right. And so, so when we're doing this, like it, it, in some sense, what, what we're saying is that the entirety of the redemption actually takes even the most elemental things and gives and becomes uh, a, a, a vocal. All of heaven and earth have been recreated in this moment. That's it. Um, in, in this passion, this resurrection, and then the completion, the ascension of, of Jesus to the right hand. Now that the, the church actually is seated at the right hand of the Father, yes. they're able not only to, everybody's able to understand the voice of God. Yes. And even if it, it's a synesthesis, it's this, uh, it's this that which is uh, able to be seen and tasted and touched and heard and then totally uh, taken. Why are you smiling at me? Nothing. Because I said synesthesis. I'm not, no. Because Peter Zelasko asked for a shout out. <laughs> no, no, I just was checking on our little status update that we're recording now, and there's like seven people who have liked it so far, and a bunch of people have commented, including George Gehring, who said, "If you started recording 15 minutes ago, then you're probably just about now about to start talking about the Sunday readings," <laughs> <laughs> which made me laugh. That makes me so happy. Yeah, yeah. that's about right. Anyway, anyway, no, you're right. Yeah, I, I think this is a terribly confusing scene now that you've really pointed out to me. I've I've been living in Bible world. But what that means is that it's terribly confusing unless you have the lens of the scriptures themselves to interpret it for you. And you say, oh, God is actually just repeating what he's done before, but in a new profound way. Does that make sense? He gave us a real pattern to pay attention to and is now fulfilling the pattern. Right. Right. It's not this little novelty. Oh, there's little tongues on their heads. Isn't that interesting? No, it's God ushering in a new law in the same kind of profound, powerful, earth-shattering way as when a whole mountain was enshrouded in in flame and it changed the course of the world. That's happening in a new and even more dynamic way. So what do they do? So it says, now there were in Jerusalem devout Jews from every nation under heaven staying in Jerusalem. That's probably a tiny bit of hyperbole. There's probably not Jews from every single nation, but they represent all of the nations coming and the hearing the mighty words of God. And so the apostles then begin to speak and everyone's hearing them in their own language. And remember, we read a couple of weeks ago, everyone th- 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 thought they were drunk at first. And they're like, no, 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 it's only 9 a.m. We're not drunk yet. We're just, we're just speaking another language. We're just really happy. We're just really happy. And, but what do they hear? They say, Aren't we Medes and Parthen, you know, Parthens and Mesopotamia and Man, Judea and Cappadocia? I, I want to study the order of all of this because mm. there's something rich about, you know, the Parthians, the Medes, Elamites, Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, Libya, Cyrene, Rome, Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians. Um, did yeah, like there's got to be an order to that. There probably is. I don't know what it is because it's not geographic. I don't. I don't know. 
We should look into that. Yeah, or so, no, no, we shouldn't look into that. So one of you should look. One into of that you should look into that. It to Write us. your thesis on it and then send it to us. <laughs> and okay. hand it in to us, and we'll grade you. <laughs> but what are they hearing? It's not just that they're hearing language in their own tongues. Oh my gosh, that's so interesting. I'm hearing in my own language. We are hearing them speaking of the mighty acts of God in our language. That's what's profound. So the other thing, so this has huge connections, I think, back to Mount Sinai, which I think is interesting. I hope that wasn't too confusing, but I think it's interesting. But the other thing it's doing, it's actually reuniting languages that were broken apart. So what is this scene actually undoing? Babel. The Tower of Babel. And I don't know if, I don't know if we talked about that a couple of weeks ago. They, they were babbling too much earlier. They didn't know. But I mean, in the Tower of Babel, what? We people were seeking bit. the mighty works of themselves. They wanted to seek and build cities to themselves. They wanted to make a name for a themselves. A name for themselves, a shem for themselves. And that divided their language and they couldn't understand each other. Now they're hearing the mighty works of God. This is recorded in Acts of the Apostles, the praxis of the apostles, literally in Greek which was a name that Luke ripped off from another really popular book of the time mm -hmm. called The Acts of Caesar Augustus. Oh, really? Which told the story. It was, a, it was basically a historical novel. It told the story of the building up of the great city of Rome and how Caesar Augustus did that. If he ripped off the title from Caesar Augustus building up the great city of Rome, this is really a book about God building up the city, building up his kingdom, building up the kingdom of God. Dude, that's awesome. So what are they doing? We're no longer building a city for ourselves, a name and a tower for ourselves. That has been fixed and remedied and reconciled. Now we can actually understand one another again. Well, this is actually a really important point. Okay, so God has divine patterning yeah. in which he actually fulfills the divine patterning. Yeah. But, but Luke's taking up the secular patterning. And actually fulfilling up the secular pattern. Oh, that, that's awesome. That, that, that in, in fact, it's it, there's actually these these kind of universal things that are being taken up and saying, no, look, it's the book of nature and the book of, yeah. uh, of Revelation. And we're going to take all of it. And God fulfills everything. Yes. All good things. Or even he even fulfills the bad things yeah. and, and transforms them and makes them awesome. Totally. I think that's really cool. Thank you. Which takes us to the psalm. So Which and the psalm is it's almost self-explanatory. Lord, send out your spirit and renew the face of the earth. What are the apostles beginning to do on Pentecost? They're beginning the slow process. It wasn't even that slow no. of renewing the face of the earth. And the people from every nation are hearing the mighty works of God. They're going to go back home, and it's going to have a ripple effect, which will begin to renew the face of the earth. Why? Because the spirit has descended upon them. They've been given a new law. Now not written on stone tablets, but on their hearts and actually in their words to convey to other people. And that is renewing the face of the earth. So this psalm is foretelling precisely what's going to happen in Acts chapter 2. You know, the, the word um, enthusiasm mm -hmm. has its root in entheos. Uh, Obviously. Filled with the spirit. Oh. Oh. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. So somebody who is spirited or filled with the spirit, this the thing is you can be spirited on a lot of different things. Yeah. But the spirit of the Lord is actually very something specific. In some ways, like <clears throat> this is actually the mystery of the Holy Spirit slightly is that like um, we personify the spirit. We say the, the, the Holy Spirit is another person of the Trinity, but we've been given the spirit. And so... Somebody who's like filled with the spirit is is like doing something. It's not just that it's another person. I mean, yes, it is another person, but the, it's actually like a, a spiritual reality. It's like you yeah. meet somebody and you're like, wow, that dude is filled up. Like you can you see con you see it in converts, you see it in holy people, you see it in 
um, you know, instant messaging clients ringing through our headphones. It's Facebook. It's the it's the messages that people are sending because they're so excited about us recording the podcast. Lay off, man. <laughs> hey, dude, they're just enthusiastic, and so they're are you. Just enthusiastic. You might be a little enthusiastic about the wrong thing of wanting to hurt me right now. I don't want to hurt. Oh, we got a shout out from Lisbon, Portugal. No, dude. See, man. So your brother was right. The social networks, man. That's where it's at. Oh, what do you know? Whose social network is ringing now? No, that's our that's our uh, washing machine. Oh, it's your washing it, like, machine. It like sings you a song when it's done. <laughs> I am done. Which now I think is so weird. All right. Yeah. Awesome, man. First Corinthians. First core. First Corinthians. First core is the most hardcore. Wait, so fun. did you get a chance to read chapter 12, 3a yet? Um, no, but I'm gonna do go First Corinthians first twelve uh, A or whatever. <laughs> chapter twelve verse verse three A. First Corinthians. Let me just read it so we all hear it. Verse I, it's it's a. weird that we started. Well, I understand why we start in part B. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed or Jesus be cursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. So we only get the positive half of that statement. But it says nobody can, except by the Holy Spirit, say Jesus is Lord. What this leaves out is that nobody can actually say Jesus is accursed if he has the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit won't allow that sort of... I mean, we have freedom, of course, and we can cast that out, and we can reject those gifts that are given to us. But if we're going to say Jesus is Lord, and this is, I think... I was thinking about this on the drive over today, down from the mountains... No one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Here's the thing. We live in a world, I, I assume a lot of you guys who listen to us are probably really faithful Catholics. You go to Mass regularly. You, you know, who knows what you do in your faith, but you probably are serious about it. Yeah. Which means you probably look at the world and you say, man, it's a disaster out there. This culture of death is out of control. There's sin that's rampant. The TV and things on the internet. I mean, it's, it's crazy out there. And we want to think to ourselves, why is everyone so nuts? Why is sin out of control? Why are people such pawns? Why is, you know, why are, why is the world just such a cesspool, right? Yeah, yeah. Why don't people understand Jesus? Why don't people understand the Eucharist? Why don't we understand that we have the words of eternal life here? Jesus has the words of eternal life. How can people don't get that? Yeah. And I think there's a humility that's built into this passage that says, you know what? If we have the grace to actually be able to proclaim that this guy who was a nobody carpenter, who was crucified and died on a cross and then rose and only showed himself to a couple of random people, that he's actually the God of the universe. If we have the courage to say that, then that's a grace that we've been given. And we need to pray that other people may have that grace. If we have the grace to actually sit in mass and believe, there's no logic that's going to get you to the conclusion, oh, that thing that Father Peter's holding up, that bread, that's actually the God who created me and holds me in existence. Obviously, you can do that Obviously. by a syllogism. <laughs> there's no logic that will no. get you to that conclusion. So if you actually have the ability to wrap your mind around that and accept it, whether you understand it or not, yeah. if you can believe that that thing with look, which looks for all the world like a piece of bread is God, then that is a grace that you need to thank God for because no one is able to believe something like that unless the Holy Spirit allows them to do that. Which means not we need to look at the world and be like, you idiots, how do you not see this? We just say, thank you for showing this to me. I pray that other people's eyes will be opened like mine were. Yes. Even though I have no, I don't deserve my eyes to be opened. Yes. But they were. And I pray that the rest of the world will be too. It has, it has to knock us down a couple notches and realize, wow, if I actually can believe that, it's because it's a gift. I'm gifted to be able to believe 
what you have called me to believe. Mm. It's not logical mm. to believe what Christians believe, to believe what Catholics believe. So thank you for giving me the ability to believe that or try to believe it or wherever you are in your faith. <laughs> I don't know. That That's what kept hitting me as I was thinking about this driving in today. Yeah. And that's what, I guess that's the thing. I mean, that's what's happening in a certain sense at Pentecost the beauty of the church and what Pentecost kind of shows us and what I didn't understand when I was in sort of my more Protestant days is that God doesn't just leave us to ourselves. He doesn't just leave us to our own devices to figure it out. No. And, well, you know, the Holy Spirit will figure it out. All these people that are gathered in Jerusalem, and they're probably there for noble reasons, they have this church who is the representative, they're the vicars of Christ, and they are proclaiming the words in ways that they can understand. The church, these 12, are empowering those gathered to believe what is difficult to believe. And they're not left to their own. They're not left to just, oh, you got to figure it out. No, they've been given a church. They've been given this first fruits back to God, <laughs> now being given back to the world to explain, no, this is who Jesus was. Can you believe it? Can you come with us? Will you take the next step? And we're not called to just go sit in a church and try to reconcile it with our minds that, yeah, that's Jesus. Yes. We actually have a community of believers, a hierarchy, a tradition of 2,000 years to help lead us by the hand and say, look, you're not alone in this. It's okay. There's grace. And you can struggle, and we want to bring you with us. That's what Pentecost is doing. It's showing, look, there is a church that's been established to lead you into this reality by stupid, flawed, sinful human beings. They're the ones that are going to actually lead you by the hand there, believe it or not. It takes grace to believe that, I think, too. Yeah, I, I, I'm looking at this, and, and you take the, this moment and compare it to Sinai, and what, what was the law written on in Sinai but stone tablets? Yep. And Jesus says, I'm going to take from you your stony heart, and I'm going to give you hearts of flesh. Yeah. <laughs> what you just like look at it, me? Oh, um, nothing. No, th that's the thing. It's like, and, and so right here, that's like what where we're seeing, yeah, like, like the this proclamation, this explanation. I mean, in that upper room, it's not as if they were just silent and they were like hanging out. No, like something happened. The, the it, it was moving. It was palatable. It was visible. And then yes. people are like, "Woo!" I mean, like I I go to confirmations yeah. and it's a big party, but like. And it's always interesting because you can see the look in someone's eyes change as you confirm them. Absolutely. And so I bet. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I, yeah, I believe it, you. It's actually really fun. You just look at them dead in their eye. You give them the <laughs> eagle eye, and you're like, hey, you know, Saint Joan of Arc, be sealed with the gift of the Holy Spirit. And then you have to slap them, right? Isn't that how it used to work in the old? Yeah, it did. The it, olden did, days. It, it was olden days. But so now, so now that this this law's written on their hearts. Then we can enter in and actually understand what Jesus was actually preparing them for yep. as we get into the upper room in yep. the Gospel of John. John. Dude, is that my book? Yes. <laughs> I love that you book. You lent it to me. I, I did. That does not mean it's a member of your library. I'm using it. You should be honored that the book that you lent me is getting use. I, uh, yeah, it's <laughs> I am honored. I'm using, using my book. Hey, I'll give it back to you. Hey, Fine, I don't want it anymore. I don't want your book any way. It's your book. Whatever. Oh, yeah. Whatever, dude. That's my book. Okay, so we are in the Gospel of John, which uh, we have we have similar locations, which actually really helps us to understand kind of from the Acts of the Apostles now and until now in, their, in the upper room. 
And yep. Jesus is actually pen- able to penetrate through the walls, kind of like what we were talking about before earlier. Like floating through walls. Floating through walls. Like grace actually has no material boundaries. Were we talking about that before? Maybe. Okay. Oh, with yeah. Okay. We we might have edited that part out. <laughs> Got it. Who knows? Who knows? Uh, <laughs> oh boy. What time is our timing? We're getting there. We're pretty long. <laughs> All right. Okay. All right. What do you so, have to say about John? Because okay, I'm. I don't know what to do with John. I love this passage. So on the evening of the first day of the week, that's Sunday. That's it's Easter Sunday, literally, right? Yeah. The doors were locked. The disciples were there for fear of the Jews. Jesus came in, stood in their midst. He's walking through walls. He says, "Peace be with you." And they say, "With your and with your spirit," because they know the new translation. No, <laughs> and, no. And with your spirit. And when he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. And the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said again, "Peace be with you." As the Father has sent me, so I send you. And when he said this, he breathed on them and he said to them, "Receive the Holy Spirit. Whose sins you forgive are forgiven them." Oh. I think I see a connection. And who sins you retain or retain. <laughs> Sorry. I've been struggling to find out what this ha- – I've actually spent all my time thinking about Acts of the Apostles today. Yes. Because it's so interesting. And I can't quite figure – I love this passage from John. I mean, this is one of the two places where Jesus empowers the apostles to be able to forgive sins and have the ability to do confession and and, and gives them the grace well, of their priesthood. Yeah, but, but, but what's confusing is he, he says he received the Holy Spirit. but twice. didn't. Yeah, but didn't like we he just... already said it the Last Supper. Yeah, so is this like so? Do we need to get confirmed three times? Is that what's going on? I don't. I don't know. I was hoping you would know that. No, I don't think this is a confirmation because this is the priestly ordination. This is different than confirmation. We saw confirmation a couple of weeks ago in Acts. Yes, this is the priestly ordination, and what he told them in the Last Supper when good, he good bre- job by the way with what you 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 answered your own question. What how. What did I say? <laughs> yeah, well, because I was like, did he do this like three times? What's going on? Is this three confirmations? And I was just going to go into holy order stuff. But Oh, yeah, do it. But, but you, No, no, no. You already got it. Oh, good. I'm, <laughs> I'm, just, so I'm just so proud of you. I don't understand at all. That's okay. The listening audience doesn't either. And when I listen to this again, I'm going to be like, oh, dude, I'm just going to be embarrassed at myself. You're not going to listen to it again. <laughs> You're right. Let's be honest. <laughs> but here's the thing. Here's what I'm thinking. I'm trying to think to myself, okay, why does this moment of holy orders... Oh, what does it have to do with Pentecost? And why are those two linked? Why, why are these two the, the, the linking pieces? Yeah, well, the Holy Spirit comes down and empowers them to speak to the crowds. Here's Jesus breathing the Holy Spirit on them and giving them the ability to forgive sins. That's a big deal. But I, I want a more explicit connection. And, and I'm thinking to myself, I'm just thinking out loud. I, I love just thinking about the narrative of Scripture and the narrative of the New Testament. Because when Jesus appears to them, they still don't get it. They're excited that Jesus is there. They're really stoked that he has risen from the dead. They get that it's Jesus. They get that he's risen. They get that this is profound. Uh But by the time of Acts, which is probably about 40 days later, between 40 and 50 days after this point, they're still hiding in the room with the doors locked because they're afraid of everybody. (laughs) They're still hiding there, right? Yeah. Almost about a month and a half later. They're still hidden, even though Jesus has risen from the dead, appeared to them, breathed his Holy Spirit on them, and then shot like a rocket at the ascension in their midst. They're still hiding a month later. And once the Holy Spirit descends on them, when there's that moment that the wind comes in, this language takes a form that they can see in the shape of fire. There's a new law written on their hearts. I think what the church is trying to tell us here is that when you see the apostles empowered to go out and preach the gospel and begin to renew the face of the earth, 
which is what the psalmist says, what you're seeing is not something new. What you're seeing is the activation of something that happened a long time ago. You're seeing the activation of something that Jesus gave them, yeah. first at the Last Supper, yeah. then again right after the resurrection, that they have not tapped into until Pentecost. And the only reason they're able to do what they're able to do on Pentecost is because they've already got this indwelling of the Holy Spirit that Christ has put in there, that now is the time for this thing that you have to be activated. I was It's like developing film. It's it's there presently, but it's right. it's latent yeah. until actually there needs to be an activator, a yeah. developer, and all of a sudden the development and then it comes to the forefront and then it's understood and then the all the stuff are all of a sudden makes sense and then it descends in a wider, fuller capacity. It's right. like it's not as if you're denied the Holy Spirit at your baptism. Right. right. But there's there's these there's a, a latent thing that actually needs to be developed in its fullness. Right. So that you go, oh, yeah, and then well, it's fixed. It also means, and maybe correct me if I'm wrong on this, but I think it also means, you know, we're all given the, the Holy Spirit of baptism. We're all empowered at our confirmation unto strength with that Holy Spirit that was given to us. But we might not use it in the way that God really wants us to use it until some time that will surprise us in life. I mean, we never know when God's going to tap in Dude, to that, that reservoir the... of grace that he's given us. I mean, Amen. you were baptized a long time and con- confirmed a long time before you had any idea that you were going to be called to the priesthood. But then that grace that you already had lying within you yes. was activated in a new way that you would have never expected. The apostles didn't expect that they were going to go out and proclaim to all of these nations and nope. baptize 3,000 people. Yep. You never know how God is going to claim and bring out that latent grace that he has placed within you. And that maybe that's what the take home from here from this is well yeah i mean that's the thing it's like that's why you have to have patience i mean 50 days is a long time after yeah your your dude is gone it's a long time to hide yeah to hide and to struggle and to kind of go like what's gonna happen and then but then all of a sudden you see what's activated inside of them and then they go and they go aussie into the ends of the earth (laughs) yeah and so that that's kind of you everybody who's listening yeah you you may have had the moment where you're like yep the Holy Spirit came down. I mean, I have that. That's why I'm a priest. That's why I'm on the radio right now and talking to you. It's right. because I had I had like a profound experience with the Holy Spirit and it changed everything. It involved a bike accident, but it, that's a story it, for another time. Well, that's actually what started developing the the latent love, man. And, that's true. And and then then praying. So I you have to pray so that you can actually activate it. It's like yeah. it's like if you ever if you never develop a piece of film, right. You're, you're going to always wonder what's on it. Oh, You'll hold never on. know what's in there. Oh, hold on. They all use digital cameras now. Well, they might know the concept. So that if you don't know the concept, <laughs> then go go to Wikipedia or something. Yes, indeed. So the Holy Spirit has given you gifts. May they laten, the latency of them and, be sorry, reduced. What we can't forget, though, is that that's going to happen again and again. I mean, yeah, you were called the priesthood. Great. That's going to be tapped into again and again and again. The apostles, yeah, they have this great moment where they preach, but they're also going to be called to give account before kings and before governors. And eventually most of them, all but John, they're going to be called to die for this. And and that grace is going to be called out again and again and again in surprising ways every time. Yeah. It's not a one-shot thing and then you're done. No, I mean, this is the thing is that you all have deep desires. I had a deep yeah. desire to be a radio personality. Hey! Hey, what do you know? I know. I mean, and and like doing this podcast has given me a, a chance to at least be a personality, if yeah. not on the radio. <laughs> well, something. <laughs> it's something. <laughs> it's something or another. Take it. Oh, you guys, y'all's are pretty cool. I real, I really dig you. Indeed. 
you know, check us out. Wait for our Facebook. You guys really, we normally did like a, a like a, a noon, one o'clock um, uh, recording, but now we're we're in the summer. You have no idea when we're recording unless you are on Facebook or Twitter. Unless you're on Facebook, which apparently a lot of you are. There's a lot of activity here. On activity, the- dude. I'll tell you what, man. Nothing on my dude. Nobody follows my my tweets, but that's you have really like two. Than, you had like two likes on my tweets. Yeah, your tweet and Peter's Alaska wanted a shout out. Oh yeah, well he got one. Yeah, he got it. All right, you guys. Thanks for listening. We will be back next week. You're the best. Find us on Facebook. Send us an email. Find Father Peter's Twitter account. Make him feel better about himself. I'm gonna. You know, we need a lanky guy's Twitter account. All right, man. We'll have that up by next week. Okay. Keep it up. Keep it real. You guys are the best. Don't fake the fun. Nope. Goodbye. Goodbye. Word on the Hill is a production of the Aquinas Institute for Catholic Thought here in beautiful Boulder, Colorado, www.thomascenter.org. You can also send us an email at lankyguys at thomascenter.org. See you next week.